Ezra chapter 3. Let's read the, 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 the chapter in its entirety, and then, then we'll go back and see uh, what we can, can glean from it. One um, thing that I, I read or heard said, it's, it's an instruction on how to build a temple. So let me see what you think about that. Ezra chapter 3. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Zodok, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of, of Sethiel, with his kinsmen. And they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set the altar in its place, for fear was upon them because of the peoples of the land, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. And they kept the feast of booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule, as each day required. And after... And after that, the, burnt, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon, and at all the appointed feasts of the Lord, and the offerings of every one who made a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa according to the grant that they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now in the second year after coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel the son of Sethiel and Jeshua the son of of, of Josadok made a beginning together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Jeshua with his sons and his brothers and Codmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, with praise to the, to the Lord, according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid though many shouted aloud for joy. So the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. 
So you get it, right? You see how you go about building a temple by reading this. Or do you not? Or is it kind of like those instructions if you've ever gotten anything from Ikea and, and they're universal? Nobody understands them. They're universal. There are no words on the ones that I've seen, just pictures. And, and they're not, the pictures are not that great either. It's like, you know, how do you do this? But I think this is a little clearer on how you build a temple if we kind of take our time and just pull out a few little, uh, a, a few little tidbits here and think of the segue of the Old Testament temple to the New Testament temple or the temple as mentioned in the New Testament. I'll let you ponder that. We'll come back to it at the end. But the, old, the temple in the Old Testament and what exactly is the temple in the New Testament? Starts off, verse 1, in the seventh month, the Jewish calendar and months don't always click in, in our non-Jewish minds and in, in, in our Baptist minds, but the seventh month is, is, is called um, Tishri. T-I-S-H-R-I, and it's our September, October. Now, to, to, to kind of um, maybe complicate it just a little bit more, it is, also, it is the beginning of their civil year. You know, we, we, everything's January 1 for us. It's our calendar year. Uh, but, it's, but it's kind of like you have the... Um, you know, what's the business year? It's, it's now, it's totally escaped me. Um, when fiscal. fiscal year that sometimes will, will be dated, begin differently, you know, in September. Or the school year, you know, is in September. So it's really not something totally foreign, foreign to, to our thinking. But this is the first month of the, the, the Jewish civil year, and they would celebrate the, the new year you know, the beginning of the new year, even though it's not the first month, you know, it, they, they would celebrate that. So there would be uh, a, a, a sacrifices, certain sacrifices and feasting. So I know all of this is coming back to you now. What else happened in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar? What is perhaps one of the biggest days on the Jewish calendar? The Day of Atonement, the one day that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and they would make sacrifice and that would atone for the, for, for the people's sin. That, ha that happened on the 10th day of the month. Notice when we read through the chapter, what discussion is missing or what event is miss missing. There is no mention of the Day of Atonement. Also in the seventh month were the Feast of, of booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, where, uh, where they would remember, rejoice over God's protection in the wilderness. And it, and, and, and it, was, it was, this is a September, October month, and so it would, they would also uh, be giving thanks and praise for the, for the harvest 
and praying for rain uh, the, the, the coming year. So that's when this happens. It's in the, the, the next year after they've come back from, from Babylon, uh, from Persia, from other you know, areas, not just geographic Babylon or, or Persia, uh, that they've gathered back in, in Jerusalem in their towns, they, they, we saw that in chapter 2, they, they went to Jerusalem, then they all went to their towns, and they, they start rebuilding, but now it's time to rebuild the temple. But what do they do first? They build the altar first. So let's, let's look at how you build a temple, how you, you, you reestablish this religion uh, the, the worship of God. What's the next thing? Really, it's the first thing that they do in this chapter as they're going to rebuild the temple. They gathered in Jerusalem, how? As one man. It may not be that every single one went back to Jerusalem, but they went back in a unified manner, in a unified... Uh, 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 well, I'm repeating myself. They went back in, in unified, all together, in one accord. When you say they were in one accord, it kind of reminds you of, of the disciples after Jesus ascended, and they were all in Jerusalem in one accord. If you looked around at Christianity today, would you say that Christianity is in one accord? Not at, not at all. Would you say that the Baptist denomination is all in one accord? Not at all. Would you say that, forget the, you got the National Baptist, the state, the associational, let's just jump past all of those and go to are all of our churches always of one accord? Probably not. And the next one, I don't want an answer. I just want you to think of it. Is our First Baptist Church Grandview always of one accord? No. Okay, I got an answer anyhow. But... <laughs> <laughs> But we're not. Why? Let's see if, if we can gain anything on what they did that, that produced that, you know. And why maybe we're not. They, they gathered as one man, unified, of, of one accord. And it says that, that, that Jeshua, the high priest, Zerubbabel, he's, he's the governor, actually probably the nephew of the last king who sat on is, uh, Judah's throne, Israel's throne, and was taken into captivity. It says that they build the ark, not the ark, the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it. Now they're going back. What was Cyrus's d decree? Go back and build the temple. But do they build the temple first? No. They build the altar first. What is so important 
about the altar. It, the, the, the spiritual significance, the actual physical significance of what they are going to do on it, you know, that they're going to offer burnt offerings. Before they build the temple, they build the altar. Why? To offer burnt offerings. What were the burnt offerings for? There are seven um, sacrifices listed in, in the Old Testament. This is where we really, this would have been good to have been doing when Dr. Reichman was here a few months ago because he could probably just, you know. And, and so I want you, every week you should test anything I say. And you really need to test it this week. But from what I had, you know, looked up and, and, and tried to get in, in, into my, you know, this mass up here on top of my shoulders, there are seven types of offerings. Here they are. A sin offering, a guilt offering, a burnt offering, a peace offering, a grain offering, a heave and wave offering, and the red sacrifices, and, and the red heifer sacrifice. So you have a sin offering and a guilt offering and then a burnt offering. Huh, those kind of sound like they could be the same thing, but they are distinguished from each other. According to, to, to Dr. Unger's uh, Bible dictionary, a burnt offering symbolizes entire surrender to God. So they're going back. They build the offering, the, the altar, to make this sacrifice, and it and it's and it's symbolizing their entire surrender, submission to, to God. It's it's that they're admitting that they need God. They're seeking His favor. You had to before you could make the burnt offering, though. You had to make sure you were you were covered by the sin offering and the guilt offering. You know, so there, there were days you would have to make more than one offering. You know, if we were living then and, and under the, 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 the law like that, this time I really don't want an answer. How many offerings would you have to make every day? Morning and evening. <laughs> but... And in between, maybe. But they're, 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 they're going to, they, they build the altar so that they may offer these burnt offerings. It's wholly consumed, and the smoke goes up, and, and, and to a pleasing aroma to the Lord. What was the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark? He starts letting the animals out, and then he offers. He builds an altar, and he makes a, a burnt offering to the Lord. After God called Abraham from, from Ur of the Chaldees, and he, he goes on this, this trek, this journey, and he comes to Shechem, and God says, this is the land I'm going to give to you and your descendants, and, and I'm going to make you a, a multitude greater than the stars in the sky or the sand on the, on the shore. 
and you're going to be a blessing to all nations. And Abraham builds an altar and, 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 and makes a burnt offering to the, to the Lord. It's, 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 it's seeking the Lord's favor, but it's also showing that he is in total surrender to God, that, that you are our God. Look what it says. They built an altar for whom? It's who or whom? The God of Israel. Where have they been for 70 years? In, in Babylon, with, with that pantheon of, of, of dozens of false gods. Why were they there? Because they had fallen in that trap themselves and worshipped other gods. The, Ezra, writing this, recording this, wants it to be very clear this altar is not for Marduk or Baal. This altar is for the God of Israel. You know, and that's what Cyrus said. I want you, I'm, I'm going to send you back. The Spirit of the Lord stirred up Cyrus. And he said, the, the, Lord of, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms. And he's charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. This is going, an altar exclusively to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob. How might that help us? What type of instruction is that on their how to build a temple? And I'm not going to say how to build a church, but, 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 it, but it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's connected. But I, I don't want to say how to build a church as if, okay, we're going to build us a new church. That's not what I'm saying. But how, would, how does that demonstrate to us how our church should function? What is the first thing they're doing? They're making, they make an altar. We don't need to make an altar. Jesus has already sacrificed himself on the altar. What did the burnt offering do? It did not atone for sin. That was the sin offering. It showed total surrender to God. The first thing we need to do as a church is totally surrender to God. Would we be in one accord then? I'm pretty sure we would. Would we be more unified if we all totally surrendered to, to God, to, to Christ? You know, it's like first things first. You know, you get those instructions from Ikea and you don't go to the back and, you know, you, you need to start at the beginning in, in following those instructions. Now, I know you throw them away. <laughs> You can, I know this for a fact, you can still read them, follow them, if they've been wadded up. <laughs> and and you, scotch tape is readily available if they've been torn. You can tape them all back together and, and follow them. But, but the, the, the first thing is total surrender to God. Does that follow the Great Commission at all? Now I know you're like, what kind of a question is that? That's way out of the blue. 
But think about it. What is the great commission? What, what did Jesus leave before he ascended to the throne? You know, first off, he said, this was an old trick question. What are the first five words of the great commission? It's not go. It's all power and authority has been given unto me. And then he says, as you go, what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all my commandments. The only imperative in there is make disciples. The others are participles. That means you put an ing on the end of the verb. Make disciples. What is making a disciple? Presenting the gospel to someone. Have them, and then by the Holy Spirit moving them, they believe it, and they have totally surrendered to Christ at that point. And then you baptize, they're baptized in, 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 in a demonstration of their, of their faith. But then what's, what's the next step? Teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey. We have the song, Trust and Obey. It probably should be trust, then obey. You know, you have to trust first. You totally surrender to, to Christ. And then, because of that, then you obey. Where are we still? Verse 1. <laughs> They've built this altar to the God of Israel. They're going to offer burnt offerings. First reason on why. There's a couple of whys. There, why. There are a couple of whys as to why they are doing this. What is it? As it is written in the law of Moses. So they're, they're basing all of this on what? God's Word. This is not some latest self-help book on you know, how to pray, how to do this. They're going back to the law of Moses, the beginning when God gave His Word to Israel so that Israel might bless all other nations. And they're going to through the coming of the Messiah, but they, they base it on the, the, the law of Moses, on God's, uh, on, on God's Word. <clears throat> but then verse 3 kind of gives us a, a, another little reason as to why they're, they're offering this. They set the altar in its place for fear was on them because of the peoples of the land. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Offerings morning and evening. Because they were fearful of those. You know, they've been taken captive 900 miles away. There are other people living there that move into Jerusalem, or maybe they were, they were, they were put there by the Babylonians. It's, it's not exactly clear, but there, there's fear among the people. The, the burnt offering was to, to ask God for His favor. It's to, it's to show total submission. We're not going to be afraid. Had they ever entered Canaan? the promised land, and been afraid? First time Moses is leading the children from, of, of Israel from Egypt 
to the promised land and they, they get there on the edge down in the south part, Kadesh Barnea, and they send in the spies. And what happens? They are big. They're giants. We, we could never overcome them. They, they were fearful then, but this time they're, they're more resolute, uh, maybe until about chapter 4. But, but at least starting out, they're, they're more resolute on trusting in the Lord, and they're offering daily sacrifices morning and evening to, to just tell God, we are totally surrendered to you. Then it says, verse 4, they kept the feast of booths as it is written. They're following Scripture. They're, they're following what, what God has told them to do. The feast of booths was another feast that commemorated the Exodus, but it, but it commemorated more. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's, it's, it's like staying in tents. They're remembering that period in the wilderness that they basically, it was a 40-year-long RV, um, what do y'all call them? Just events. So I say party, and some of them may be. But it, it's, it's, they're living in the wilderness for 40 years, and they're remembering how God protected them during that time. But they skipped over the Day of Atonement. The, the, the Feast of, of Booths started, you can, you can read about it in Leviticus 23. Um, I'm forgetting the day. Okay, the 15th day of the seventh month. The Day of Atonement was the 10th day. And I was, I was thinking, well, why didn't they mention the Day of Atonement in here? Did they just skipped over it? The temple hasn't been built. The, the high priest can't go into the Holy of Holies. So it's like, oh, well, they, they skipped over it. Remember that because we may need that information before we get to the end of the, of the chapter. So they, they celebrate the Feast of Booths. They're offering daily sacrifices according to the law of Moses. And then in verse, verse um, 6, from the first day of the seventh month, that's the new year, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple had not been laid. The most important thing was the sacrifice. The most important thing to us is what? Christ's sacrifice and, and, and remembering it and, and our total surrender to Him. So now they're ready. They give, it says verse 7, they gave money to, to the masons, the carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians, and the, it's Tyre is where these people come from, but it's, I don't know exactly how you say it. Ty, though, the men of Tyre, Tyrians, okay, to bring cedar trees. This is a lot like Solomon's temple that they sent to Tyre and Sidon uh, to, for, for, the, for the cedars of, of Lebanon to be brought down. And, and, and Israel was not the only ones. They've excavated other ancient sites where they say these, the timbers used, the cedar used on these temples in, in Babylon, in Assyria, other places, that they had brought in these cedar trees as well. I don't think they're like the cedar trees that we see around here. I mean, they... they you're making beams and things of 
you know, they've got to be bigger than the ones that, that we have. I know in, in Cedar Hill, there's a Baptist encampment for the Dallas Baptist Association. It's called Mount Lebanon. And there's just, it's the name of the town is Cedar Hill. And you drive through there, and if you have cedar allergies, you're going to know before you see the sign. There's cedar trees everywhere. It's, it's, you know, so they're, they're, they've taken that name of the, the encampment, but those are not the kind of cedar trees, you know, here. These are, are big, big uh, trees that they send to, to Tyre and Sidon and bring them down. Verse 8, now in the second year after their coming to the house of, the, of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Sethiel and Jeshua, the son of, of Jozadok, made a beginning with the rest of their kinsmen. So they, they begin this in the, in the second year after they've been back. They've established that burnt offerings, the offerings daily, you know, the sin offerings, the, the, the guilt offerings, everything that they, that they needed to do. Verse 10, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests and their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. So they have laid the foundation and then they celebrated. They rejoiced. Is that when you would expect them to celebrate? When they, they've laid the foundation. If you've driven, you know, in Fort Worth, Dallas, Especially, I, I go through Dallas all the time, downtown, um, now it's uptown, just north of downtown, and you, and you drive by, and one day there's an empty lot. You, you could possibly park there. Like I've, There's places that I parked when we're working in offices, and a day later you drive by there, and there is this big old hole in the ground. What is that big old hole? It's for the foundation, and it's and it's some you know deep, and 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 they set the the the, the piers and pillars in to to build up that you know twenty or forty story building, whatever it might be. It's like they've set the foundation. They, they I've never seen them throw a party when they've dug that hole, but but when they open the building, then. They'll have a grand opening and a, and, and a party and, you know, like christening a ship, you know, when it goes out for its, it, her maiden voyage. That, that, that they, but Israel celebrates here when they've laid the foundation. Why do you suppose that is? Two questions. Why? And is there anything that we can gain from that? glean from that, maybe put in our brain and start thinking that way. Is this the completion? No, it's just the beginning. You got to have a firm foundation.
Yeah, I think there's I think I think there's a, a a lot of that in there. They're they're realizing we just wasted 70 years of our nation's life because of our our disobedience and God is giving us another chance. He's being true to his promise to bring back a remnant. They're also celebrating a a in a way, a small victory. We want to, you know, Baptists in the we want to have high attendance Sunday and celebrate. Or we want to celebrate, you know, when it's like we, we're going to have this event and oh, we got this many people. And then we'll, we'll celebrate. But what about celebrating just one person hearing the gospel or, or a small group that begins to meet that, that then, you know, can, can grow outward and, and affect other people. That God uses those things just like He uses this when the temple is complete. You know, when David brought the... Notice what they sing. They're, they're singing... They, they bring in the priests, the Levites, the sons of Asaph. They're the, they're the musicians. They've got trumpets and cymbals. They're, they're praising the Lord. And it says, as uh, directions from King David, they sang responsively. That's, that's all of them singing and praising and giving thanks for this, that, that now God has blessed us and he has, He's returned us and we're going to, to, be, to be able to rebuild the temple and so they, they sing. I think the King James may say, um, Praise ye the Lord, His mercy endures forever and ever. At least that's what it says over in Second Chronicles when Jehoshaphat sings the same things at their deliverance from the Ammonites and the Moabites. But David, King David, they, they sang this same song when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into the tent he had set up there in, in Jerusalem before the, the, the temple is built, that, that they sang that in, in praising the Lord. Their, their song is it's, it's public. It's, it's a participation sport, not a spectator sport. They're all gathered and, and singing this, this praise. Okay, so we're in the middle of verse 11. All the people shouted with a great shout when, the, when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the, Lord, of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping, for the people shouted with a great joy, and the sound was heard far away. I wasn't expecting that. They, they, they've, they've built the altar. They're making sacrifices. The, 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 the next year they begin to build the temple, they, they make the foundation and the, the people see it and they shout. It says many of them shouted 
with a great shout, praising the Lord. But some of them wept. Is this, are they weeping tears of joy? You know, you, you, you see tears of joy at, at weddings or babies being born. I don't think so because he says, but many, you know. It's, it's, it's like these are really, so why are they weeping, mourning? It said many of the old men, those who had seen the first house, they wept with a loud voice. Why would they be weeping? They're rebuilding the temple. That's true. But can they tell? Can they tell it's not as great yet? Because all they've done is built, laid the foundation. Okay, so maybe that's not the only reason. It's actually, now this... This is one of those things you can check. I'm pretty sure this is accurate. But this temple is actually a little bit bigger than Solomon's temple. So it's like they're not looking at it and it's like, well, that one, you can see the old boundaries. But this one's, no, it's actually bigger. So bigger is better. So why? So maybe that's not why they're weeping. Why are they weeping? Had they had a temple before? Yes, we know that. We've been talking about it. Yes, they've had a temple before. What did they have before the temple? The tabernacle in the wilderness. What was the crowning moment of the temple or the tabernacle when they were inaugurating it, when it's complete and they, and they did something? When was it filled with God's glory? What did they do? There was an actual physical act that they did. Okay, think Indiana Jones. The Ark of the Covenant. When they moved the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies, the Shekinah glory of God came down and filled the temple. That's missing, or that's going to be missing because where's the Ark of the Covenant? This is the Babylonian... Captivity is when it went missing. That it was either, either they took it, melted it down, sold it, destroyed it, put it in a warehouse in suburban Washington, D.C. The ark is not going to be there. Are these priests remembering that God's glory was, was there and is it going to be missing? That's, that's a possibility. There's, there's one more that these are captives. They've been living in Babylon. Who are some of their leaders or other people that we know that were in Babylon the same time as these folks? Okay, think back two books ago when we were doing Bible study. Daniel was there. Who, who else was there? The book right before Daniel. Well, Jeremiah, well, he didn't go to Babylon, but he was a contemporary and he wrote to them. Right before Daniel is Ezekiel. Ezekiel writes this vision, chapters 40 through about 43, of this temple that he sees that is 
It's the ultimate temple, the final temple, the completion that's bigger than, than this. That temple has not been built. And, it's, and Ezekiel received that vision in the 25th year of exile. So, 45 years before, 40 years, some, you know, do they know? Ezekiel wrote about this temple. This is the size. This is what's going to happen. This is not going to be that temple. Are they, are they concerned? Are they, are they thinking, oh, we're not building Ezekiel's temple that would demonstrate God's completion of his kingdom on, on earth. I think that's a possibility, too, that they, that they think this isn't it. They, they've already demonstrated they know Scripture. They're familiar with Ezekiel. So for some reason, some shouted, some wept. Do we have a similar response? Are there times when we rejoice over what Christ has done for us and, and we praise Him? And then at the same time, it's that, that wistful thought of it's not complete. It's not yet final and won't be until, until Christ returns. It's, it's, it's already but not yet. That, that we, we think this is, this is great. Maybe a church experiences that when they build a new building, they get a new pastor, that just, just different things. And it's like, well, it's not going to be perfect until Christ comes again and sets up His eternal kingdom. The new heaven, the new, the new earth, the, the new Jerusalem. There... Celebration, their elation is, is going to be tested real soon. We're going to see that in, in, in chapter 4 next, next week. Any other observations you know, that we can learn how to, how to build a temple, how to function as a church, not start a new church, how to function as a church in, in seeing that they were, they were unified, they based it on full surrender to the Lord, and that it, was, that it was based on, as it is written, it was based on Scripture, you know, that those were the important things, and then they, they rejoiced together over the things that, that God was, was doing for them. Any any other observations? Question. Okay. After the temple is complete, do they build a second altar? Because in the early temples, the altar was inside the temple. It's the temple is hadn't been laid yet. Is the Jewish altar inside the temple? No, it's not. It's out. It's in the temple complex, you know. But it's not inside the temple itself. It's in the the yard, you know, going up to the, the temple. So they're not, they don't build another altar. And it's kind of unclear if they're maybe even to some degree rebuilding the original altar. And maybe part of the pieces were there and they, they may have been sort of rebuilding, 
you know, building anew. So I don't think they're going to build another one in, inside. It was outside because it's, it's in use all the time. True, true, and the people had to get into that courtyard. You know, only only priests could go into the to the holy place, but then only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. So, uh, good question, but it's 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 outside. Well, let's pray, and then we'll we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word, and God, we know that. Today we don't have to make any sacrifices because Christ paid that final price to atone for our sin. That He told the, the, the Pharisees that if you destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. That He was talking about His body. That He is our, our temple, our place where you dwell among us, that your glory has descended upon him, and that we're just we're to be living stones to, to build up a, a, a spiritual temple. God use us, may our may our actions be like those of your children of Israel, that we would be unified, that we would base everything that we do on, on your word, and that we would totally surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.